Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we make sure you know there's more going on than you can see or hear. If this podcast episode helps you, would you consider leaving us a review on the app or platform you're using to listen? We appreciate it. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And now, your host, Larry Ragland. We are in a battle. There is a battle going on. There is a battle going on not only for your eternity, but there's a battle going on for your souls. There's a battle going on for your allegiance to the false gods of this world. And today, we're going to attack the battle of the gods. Let's get into this. All right, today we're going to talk about the battle of the gods. And that's, of course, that's little G, little G facing the big G, baby. And then we know who the big G is, the big K, the big king of kings and the Lord of lords. And all the other gods of this world are false gods, and they are the little Gs. But let me just tell you something about the battle of the gods. The, there is a battle going on for the soul of this nation. There's a battle going on for the soul of this world. There's a battle going on for the soul of the people in your family. But today I want you to know something. There's a battle going on for you. There's a battle raging in the spirit realm. It's unseen. You can't see it with the natural eyes. We understand what a war looks like in the natural. We see it on the news. We've seen it in documentaries. Maybe even some of you have fought in wars. I'm sure many of you have fought in previous wars and different types of escalations that go around that we've been involved in as Americans and, of course, as also other people from other countries that might be watching this have been in battles. Some of you may actually be in a country right now where a war is raging in your country. So you understand what it's like to see uh, an actual war, an actual fight. But I want you to know there's there's always been another fight going on that you might not be able to see in the natural realm. You, well, you can't see in the natural realm, and it's called spiritual warfare. And it is real. It is not something that's just... Uh, preacher hype, something that's conspiracy theory. It is a real deal, y'all. And quite frankly, if you are a Christian and you don't believe that, that spiritual warfare is real, you're probably already in captivity uh, because it is one of the most real things that a child of God know, needs to know. And let me just tell you, there, there's the the nine gifts of the Spirit that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12. And of course, you know, for the Pentecostal faith, people talk about the speaking in tongues and, and gift of interpretation of tongues, prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. And, you know, we're not here to talk about that. That'll be another show. But I want you to know that you really need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you need one of those gifts called the gift of the discerning of spirits. You're going to need to be able to know and discern spirits in this generation like you never have before. Because the Bible tells us all the way from the beginning, at the very beginning, one of the first things, one of the, in fact, it might even be the first thing that we're ever told about our enemy, the devil. It, when he was the serpent coming in the form of a serpent in that tree in the Garden of Eden, that he was more cunning and crafty and sneaky than any other beast in the field. He was already hiding behind uh, the disguise of something else, trying to make you not believe in the devil, always trying to be something else instead of manifesting himself as he really is, as Lucifer, Satan, Slewfoot, the devil. 
The Bible even tells us that you don't even understand it, that many times the the devil himself can be transformed into an angel of light. So there's there's confusion, there's misdirection, there's things going all on all the time in the spirit realm to try to get you off track. Let me help you understand something. You know, some of you are worried to death about uh, Satan worship and that, you know, you, oh, I don't want to worship the devil. I don't, you know, I don't want the Ouija board and all that in my house, which you don't need in your house. And I've made an entire episode about that on, on the rise of witchcraft. You don't need that mess in your house. You'll block all that other stuff. You'll, you'll keep all that other stuff coming in your house, but yet you'll allow the enemy to come in in, in a form uh, of something that you may not think is demonic. I mean, the, the, here's here's the the greatest thing in the mind of the devil. If you could get into the mind of the devil and you could ask him, what is the one thing that you would like uh, to receive from a believer or a child of God? And that would be to not believe in him. He doesn't want you to believe in him because if you don't believe in him, uh, then you don't believe in sin. You don't believe in hell. You don't believe in demons. You don't believe in all the things that are going on around you. But I'm telling you, the fact that you are watching this show tells me that you are hungry for the truth. And that's what I'm going to tell you. So the title of this episode is called The Battle of the Gods. And, and I want you to know there's a reason why we're going to go over some of the gods, the false gods, that are really demon spirits that are fighting for your soul, fighting for the soul of your spouse, for your children, for your nation, and even for your church and your community. You know, we talk a lot about on this show modern culture and how culture, modern culture is, quite frankly, uh, placed and positioned itself to be the direct enemy of God. It really is. Now we love we understand culture is powerful and we understand that you can't reach a generation without understanding culture. But I'm talking about the heathenistic demonic culture that is inundating our countries and our churches, quite frankly, the airwaves all around the world. It is the enemy of holiness. And when you hear words like enemy, when you hear words like um, soldier or fight, these are all military terms. You hear, you hear this term, barrage, attack. These are military terms. Let me tell you something. We are in a constant barrage of attack from our enemy, sneaky, behind the scenes, and now, quite frankly, out in the open. Used to, he would come to you stealth. He would come to you in the, in the midst of the night. He would come to you disguised. Now he feels empowered. Why does the enemy feel so empowered to not even hide anymore? He's coming after you, and he's coming after the gospel. I want you to know something. This is not just a battle to keep you in sin. This is not just, uh, this. that's not enough for the devil. He wants your total allegiance. Do you understand? He's not going to stop with that barrage of attacks until he has your total allegiance. Now, the spirits that are influenced our culture are nothing new. And you know, Solomon said that there's nothing really new under the sun. And that is the truth. The same devil that we're fighting now is the same devil that was in the garden. It's the same Lucifer that got cast out of heaven. Every demon that we're fighting now is the same demons that were around during Jesus' time. In fact, some of the demons that may manifest in your own life, maybe some of the demons that you might cast out during deliverance ministry, if you're a preacher, a minister, a child of God for that matter, because you have just, a right, just as much right to cast out a devil as a preacher. Wherever you're at in your walk with God, when you deal with demon spirits, there's no new demons. There's, there's, there's not like every generation we get a new set of demons. These Anything that's created in the 
spirit realm is eternal. Anything that's created in the natural realm is temporal. Can I, let me put it this way. The human flesh is temporal, but the spirit of man or the spirit of woman is eternal. It will never die. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. Angelic beings are spirit beings. That's why they don't die. Demons are fallen angels or disembodied spirits. And that because they're in the spirit realm, they never die. That's why when we read the back of the book and we find out that we win, we also read the back of the book and realize and find out what the destination where Satan and all of his enemy, all of his demons, I should say, are going. And, and we'd love to just see that, you know, God just thump him and kill him. Wouldn't you just love the devil to be killed? I'd love for God to just take out the devil. I'd just love that. You know, God's not going to break his own law. He's not a man that he should lie. And one of the spiritual laws is, is that things that are of the spirit are eternal. Things that are of the natural are temporal. So when when the devil, Lucifer, that the third of the angels that followed with him, were created originally, they were created in the spirit realm. So therefore, they are eternal. They did not get destroyed and killed when they fell. They just got removed from the presence of God. So we're dealing with the same demons. We're dealing with the same spirit. This warfare, this war of the gods, this battle of the gods that's been going on for eons and eons is the same battle that's always been going on. But God has always made it clear I will share my allegiance with no one. The, ultimately, the battle is this. You're going to fight a force that is trying to take away your allegiance to God. And God said, I will share my glory, my allegiance with no one. In fact, he puts it at the top of the Ten Commandments. He tells us we'll have no other, he'll have no other gods before him, not a graven image, not a likeness, nothing. No person, no entity, no statue, no painting on the wall, no necklace. Uh, you know, some of these people, they look down at their, their toast, their burnt toast that just popped out of the toaster, and they see Jesus in the toast. And, oh, and then all of a sudden, every, it just gets on the news, and everybody's coming, lining up at their house to go in there and touch the piece of burnt toast. I saw one time, this is the truth, y'all, I saw many, many years ago, it was on the news, a guy was taking a shower and just getting ready to go to work or something, he looks down in the soap scum at, around the drain. He's looking for answers. He's going through depression. He looks down around the, while he's in the shower, y'all, looks at the soap scum and sees an image of Jesus. Believes that when his foot touches it in the shower, he gets a miracle, he gets deliverance. And literally on the news, people were lined up, going in there, as disgusting as this sounds, walking in this man's shower and putting their hands on his uh, nasty soap scum that look like Jesus. Jesus does not need to appear in soap scum. He does not need to appear in a piece of toast. He don't need to appear in your, leg, your ego. I started to say in your Lego. That's a different thing. You don't want to be eating Legos. He, share, he will share his glory with no one. Listen to what Deuteronomy 6, 4 says. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one God. He will share his glory with no one, and he is he does he's not multiple gods, he's one God. Now, there are different types of beliefs in God around the world. And for Christians and for Jews as well, we are, we are what we would call monotheistic, meaning that we believe in one God, one God. In the days of ancient Israel, Israel, one of the main reasons that people didn't know how to comprehend and they couldn't process 
and they wanted, quite frankly, to destroy Israel is because they could not fathom a people who worshiped one God because no one worshiped one God before Israel. It was a radical concept then. It is still a radical concept, believe it or not, all these thousands of years later when it comes to religion. Many of Israel's neighbors and, and people that they did war had war with and even lived peacefully with were what we would call polytheists. And, and these are those that worship many gods. They got a little god sitting on every shelf, and, and you know this god's the god of fertility, this god's the god of war, this god's the god of prosperity. And you know when they need a little bit more prosperity, they go grab that god. When they need a little, getting ready to have a baby, they go grab the fraternity, uh, fraternity the one that makes babies <laughs> in their mind. Uh, but... You know, and then there's the others that believe in one God, but also in the existence of many others, and that's called henotheism. So, but the main two types of gods, uh, if you or you want to put it that way, that Israel faced in in, in the Bible is the polytheist. The polytheists. I need help pronouncing these words, y'all. Those folks that believe in a lot of gods. Glory to God. Uh, but you know, today. I will say that we are a very polytheistic society. We are a people who have many gods. We are literally inundated with gods, idols all around us. And many people believe in many gods in the literal sense, but also they have put their faith in so many things other than the one true God. You know, now we even have this almost universal thought uh, especially in the secular cultural media, that you know anything other than to believe that all religions are equal and that all religions point to eventually get to God equally valid um, is you know if you don't believe that then you are hate monger you are bigoted and so forth. The Bible tells us of at least thirty four. I want you to stay with me for a few minutes. Uh, I'm almost. I'm already believe it or not. I'm already top of the mountain. I'm on the backside going down. There was about thirty four at least 34 false gods mentioned in the Bible. Now, these are false gods because there's only one true God. So when we say 34 false gods, we they all believed that their God was real, but we know that their God was not real because there is one God, and his name is Jehovah God. All right? And, of course, we know if Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And became flesh, by the way, and dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. Now, let me just talk to you about a couple of the false gods of the Old Testament that I believe those same principality spirits that were at the core of the belief systems of these gods are becoming, have been prominent, are becoming even more prominent. And I want you to notice when we get into these gods, the similarity of the worship of these gods and the culture in which we live in today. The first one I'm going to talk about is Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth, of course, is well known in Scripture about the Ashtoreth poles that they would put up in honor of them. Uh, Ashtoreth was also called Astarte or Ashtoreth, that means plural. This was the goddess of the Canaanites. And listen what, what this was. this goddess was about, fertility and maternity. All right? I'm going to show you something very powerful about why we call this the battle of the gods. Worship of Ashtoreth was strong in the place called Sidon. We read about Sidon in Scripture. And uh, it is, he was, she was known as the intimate uh, companion of Baal. 
Now, I want you to get that. She was known as the sexual partner of the god of Baal. Now, uh, Astarte, the goddess of the Astroth worship, was a feminine feature. Baal, of course, was a bull. So we see that right there, there's just the evilness of an animal and a person in their supposed false god. But she was considered to be a, the consort or companion of Baal. And, and King Solomon, who blows my mind, was the wisest man to ever live. That's what the Bible tells us. He was influenced as he began to take wives of other religions. And here's the man that built Solomon's temple, the $1 trillion temple, the temple of which the glory of God filled. Somehow, he allowed the influence of women. He had a, obviously had a problem with women, y'all. Let's just tell it like it is. Let's call it. Let's call it out. Solomon had a problem with women. He had a problem with women. All right. And these women were the weak spot. And that's how the enemy came in in the spiritual warfare and used that weak spot of women to not just have a problem uh, being faithful to one woman. It wasn't enough for him to not to you know, just be with this woman, then have to be with this woman and bring this woman into his bedchamber. He brought every part of them into his life. He brought their worship into his life, and he began to allow himself and his allegiance to pull away from the one true God and begin to be a lead, give their, his allegiance to these other gods. And the Bible says that one of the main reasons that, that it ended the way it did was because he was involved in Astroth worship. Their worship involved, and here's one of the reasons why he went there, strong sexual perversion, and at the center of their religion was children, children in their rituals, children in their rituals. So we, we're going to see a common theme here as we go through the false gods of the Old Testament and the battle of the gods that's going on now. So we see that the worship of Astroth was sexually perverted. It was uh, access and control to fertility, the womb, and children. Does that sound familiar? Because today we are constantly being put in our face all the time, sexual perversion. We're always being talk, talking about uh, you know, I have a my womb is mine. It doesn't belong to the child that's in it, and then of course the children. So that's Astrid. So we see the spirit of sexual perversion, allegiance to sexual perversion, allegiance to the woman's right over the child, and no rights to the child. That's involved in Astrid worship. That's that's number one, little G demon. The number two is a big one here, but he's still a little G, and that's Baal. Most people, I say a big one because most people's heard of Baal. Baal was known as the supreme god of the Canaanites. He was worshipped in many forms. He was a fertility god who supposedly made the earth to bear crops, fruit, giving fruit of their labor, and watch this, and for women to bear children. So even Baal... So was given the authority and the power through the ones that made up the worship of Baal to be over the womb. Do you understand? Do you see the pattern already? Astrith says uh, the goddess uh, gives you power over your womb. Baal gives you power over your womb. Rites involved in Baal worship included cult prostitution. It was it was literally they had temple prostitutes that were in the temple of Baal that were there to introduce you 
to the spirit of Baal to come into you through the sexual acts of the prostitutes. It would sometimes include human sacrifice, and here's a big one. It involved cutting themselves. You remember that, uh, the showdown at Mount Carmel, when Elijah fought the prophets of Baal, and he said, you call on your God, and I'll call on my God. Let's both make an altar, and let's, let's call on you. You call on your God, I'll stand back and wait and see. And, I, and then when it's my turn, I'll call on my God. And both of us are going to ask our God to rain down fire upon our altars and let the God that answers by fire, let that God be God. We, if you don't know the story, let me just tell you, the Bible says the worshipers of Baal begin to cut themselves, and they begin to scream out and cry out in pain, and blood was running all over their bodies, and they cried out, and they screamed out to their God. Can I tell you something that's a little funny? Uh, when you read it in the King James Version, it basically uh, says implies that Elijah began to mock them. And the King James says, what's wrong with your God? Is what Elijah says. Is he sleeping? He must be sleeping. But the actual translation says, and it implies this, don't say the exact words, but it implies this, where's your God at? Is he on the toilet? I mean, that's literally what he said. Is he is he doing his business? Is he going to see a man about a dog? Where is he? I digress. And and they cut themselves and they and they harmed themselves. So when the showdown went down, we began to see the manifestation of how the worshipers of Baal had to had to perform their allegiance to their God. Now let's look at today. Once again, it is control over fertility in the womb control over what happens to the children, human sacrifice, mainly children's sacrifice, and cutting. Of course we know the the plague of abortion that's been on this, this nation and many nations around the world is the lack of the value of the human life in the womb. But more than that, also under the spirit of Baal in the little g in the battle of the gods, is just the lack of appreciation for life in general. Do you understand that right now, and I don't know if I'm going to get flagged on this or not, but right now in the nation of Canada, it is an acceptable, listen to me, listen to me, I'm not making this up, treatment to choose as a treatment to certain things, and even including depression, assisted suicide. When a Canadian veteran picked up the phone and called Veterans Affairs Canada to get treatment for his combat-related PTSD and a traumatic brain injury, he expected help getting better and getting his life back. Instead, he got an unexpected and unwanted offer to help him end it through medically-assisted death. Multiple sources have told Global News the veteran was shocked. The agent on the other end of the phone raised MAID as an alternative to treatment out of the blue where people have gone in and they have been given, okay, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. Or if you want to save your family money, if you want to save all of us some, you know, and if you're at peace with it and you're good with it, we'll help you go ahead and die. We'll just go ahead and help you. That way you don't have to worry about it being messy. We can just go ahead and help you die. That's in Canada. That's not conspiracy theory. That is really true. That's the spirit of Baal. That's the little G. That's what's happening all around us. Then the next one is a big one. It's the god of Dagon. Dagon was the Philistine god. He had the body of a fish and had a human head, and he had hands as well. Dagon was known as the god of water and of grain. Dagon believers thought that both men and fish had evolved together from primal waters. 
Mm, does that sound familiar? In other words, Dagon was the original spirit of the belief that Charles Darwin put a title on called evolution. Now, I know some of you are going to check out right now because you're a believer, but you but you still fight adamantly for evolution. And I'm not here to debate with you whether any kind of evolution has ever happened or not. But if you bow up on me right now simply because of what I said and I somehow defamed the name of Charles Darwin and you're going to get mad at me and click off or unsubscribe because I'm some kooky believe uh, in creation, the actual literal translation of creation versus evolution— who are you giving your allegiance to? Your allegiance is, is more to evolution than to the potential and even that the very le the least possibility that creation actually happened in six days. You know, when we get to God, we'll, we'll know it for sure. But you're going to fight for someone who was an atheist that doesn't believe in God versus at least the potential that God could do it the way he did, I happen to believe it was more than potential. I believe that actually God can do anything he wants to do. He's the one that stepped out on nothing, spoke to nothing, and nothing became something. But Dagon was the originator of evolution. Uh, of course, we know many, many great, great leaders in Scripture failed to these gods. Solomon with the Astroth pole. And, of course, we know what, you know, it didn't fall to the worshipers of Baal, but because of Jezebel and all the spirits that was from Baal. And, you know, Elijah went through some dark places in his life as well. And then when we get to Dagon, one of the most famous people in Scripture, Samson, one of my favorite characters, you know, Samson ended up, you know, dying in the temple of Dagon. You know, of course, he took everybody out when he pushed against those poles. But the reality is this. He was tied and chained to a pole naked in the temple of Dagon. They were worshiping Dagon. And of course, we know the story. Uh, another story of Dagon is when when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant and they they uh, they took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in the temple of Dagon. And when they got up the next morning, going to go in there and try to defame the Ark of the Covenant, they found the Dagon, the statue of Dagon, the fish god, flat on his face. Okay, so they stood him back up again, and they's like, okay, there must have been a small earthquake while we were sleeping. We didn't know. And then the next day, they come in there and try to defame the Ark of the Covenant, and not only was it falling face forward towards the Ark, but it, it had his head and his hands broke off. Wow. So watch this. I don't care how big your God is. I don't care how demonically powerful your God is. Your God's going to bow to the glory of God. Your God's going to fall. We, we've read the back of the book. So how does Dagon apply to us? How is Dagon fighting in the battle of the gods right now? Well, it's very obvious. You know, that of course we see we see abortion. We see turning the children over to a false god. We see sacrificing the innocent children. And we also see basically them worshiping a merman, okay? Uh, and then of course cutters. So we see you know, nowadays we have young people in their pain, they cut themselves. There was Egyptian gods. Do you I'm not going to talk about all of them, but there were 40 false gods. In, in Egypt, uh, although none of them are mentioned by name in the Bible, they included Re, which was, was known as the creator sun god, Isis, the goddess of magic, o Osiris, the lord of the afterlife, Thoth, uh, Thoth, the god of wisdom and the moon, and Horus, the god of the sun. Oddly, and this is strange that you know, and amazing that they didn't do it, we have no biblical record that the Hebrews were ever tempted by these gods during their 400-plus years in captivity in Egypt. Uh, but what? how does the Egyptian gods manifest in the battle of the gods? Through magic, 
sorcery, astrology. Remember when Moses threw his rod down, it became a serpent? The magicians threw their rod down, and it supposedly became a serpent. So we see the, the, the escalation of magic. We see the escalation of witchcraft and astrology, looking at the stars for your future, reading the stars, reading tea leaves, tarot cards. These are all the same demons that was in, in the, uh, the gods of Egypt. And the last one is one that's currently in the news. This one is a big one right now that is not going down without a fight, and that's the God of Moloch. The God of Moloch was a bloodthirsty false god. It was one of the most demonic false religion gods in the history of humanity. The only main way that you really worshipped Moloch is through blood sacrifice. You had to bring a sacrifice of human sacrifice to this god, Moloch who was an animal who had hands an, uh, like a human man, and his hands were out in front of him. He had a like a bull or calf head, and he had hands that went out like this. And in the base of that mullock statue was a fire pit, and they would heat that, it would build that fire so hot that the heat would go up and those hands would begin to glow red because they would be so hot. Now, I don't want to freak y'all out, but here's the truth. They would take children, and they would lay children upon those hands, and they would sacrifice them as they burned in his hands. You know, And this is also what the Word of God said. They would cause the children to pass through the fire, not just in the hands of Moloch, but through ritualistic things when they would test the spirits to see if Moloch was happy with them, would make them run through the fire, throw them into the fire. It's just disgusting and sickening. And, of course, we know that the number one way Moloch has manifested himself in this country for over 50 years has been abortion. And of course, at the time of this recording, 2022, June 24th, 2022, something that none of us ever thought would happen. The God of Moloch was dealt a huge blow. Roe v. Wade was overturned at the Supreme Court. Now, I know it was passed down to the states, but it was still huge to know after 50 years the, the spirit of Moloch, who had had a principality hold over this entire nation, the national hold of Moloch was released. And I believe with all my heart that when that happened, that unleashed every demon and every false god because they knew their time was short. They didn't ever think that they would ever get, have to relinquish, that Moloch would ever have to relinquish his hold on this nation and around the world. But when he lost his national hold, all these other gods begin to manifest in a way. We see cutting. We see bloodthirsty things. We see violence. We see worship. We see making yourself your own god, uh, you know, believing in multiple gods, abortion, witchcraft. Demons are manifesting left and right. But something is turning. I didn't make a show just to tell you about all the gods that's trying to destroy us. I made a show to tell you, about our God. Our God is the only true God. Can I tell you that Hebrews chapter 12 tells us this exact thing was going to happen? Hebrews chapter 12 tells us about the battle that is happening right now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. By, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake, listen, not only the things, not only the earth, but also heaven. 
Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Can I tell you that God is saying, I am raising up a generation that is going to expose the false gods. We are The title of this show is called The Battle of the Gods. But do you know who's fighting that battle? Now, of course we know that it's not, the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. It's not by strength. It's not by might. But it's by the power of the Holy Ghost, okay? We understand that. But the hands and the feet, the prayer warriors, the ones that are on the front lines, the ones that are in the altars, the ones that are singing, the ones that are giving praise, the ones that are getting on YouTube and, and boldly proclaiming the Word of God, getting on social media, getting on their street corners, praying, laying hands on their children, pleading the blood over their kids, blood of Jesus over their kids, showing up at the, at the school meetings and standing firm for the principles of the Word of God, teaching, homeschooling their kids, the ones that are on the front lines of this war is us. We are the ones that God has empowered to fight this battle. That's why he gives us an armor. That's why the book of Ephesians says, put on the whole armor of God that you can fight, that you'll be able to stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand. Take the shield of faith. Come on. Take the sword of the spirit. Put on the belt. Put on the helmet. So soldier up because there's a battle going on and right in the middle of it is us. In fact, we're not just in the middle of it. We are the target. We are the prize. We are the land that the enemy wants to overthrow and take as his own. When, a, when in a natural war and a battle, a country invades another country to take over control of that country. Well, the truth is the devil and demons, especially I'm talking about the devil, does have control over nations around this world. Principalities control nations, control regions. But why do they control nations? Why do they control regions? Not for the natural resources of those nations, not so that they can uh, be in charge of the oil that's underneath the ground. No, because the devil could care less about that. The devil wants to control the people that is in that nation and the people that is in that region. We are the ultimate prize. We are the reason that Jesus came. We are the one, we are the for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Because we are the prize. We are the prize for him, we are the for our God, and we are the prize for the enemy. But man, even though we are the prize, man is not the final authority. Man's agenda is not the final authority. We are being told left and right, laws are being made to go against the word of God. And then we're being told, you got to obey the laws of the land. We're being told by preachers, you know, look what the word of God says. We've got to obey the laws of the land. And I do believe that. I do believe we submit to authority. I do believe that authority comes from God. But when somebody makes a law that, that tells me I can't worship God, I can't obey that law. When somebody tries to makes a law that tells me that I can't pray in public, I can't obey that law. There are things that are being told to us, and we are falling in line like robots. But no, that's why this big picture program is on here. See, they're not the things that are being shaken, Hebrews chapter 12 said, are not just being shaken. The Bible says they are being removed. So there is a battle going on, and there on one side, if you allow yourself to only see this side, you will look like the world's going to hell on a bobsled, okay? What can the world can we do? But on the other side, if you're part of the remnant, you're beginning to see the chipping away 
of the enemy. He he is panicked, y'all. You ever you ever you, you ever been told this? Don't mess with a a panic or afraid dog or animal. You don't go up and try to solve a situation with a, an animal that is in extreme fear because when they're in fear, they will turn on you. Even the ones that's fed them, they will turn on you because they it's it's an animalistic instinct within them. And when you see a world like the world we live in right now, to the believer, you step back and you say, whoa, 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 I can do one of two things. I can check out, go into depression, and feel like this battle is lost. Or I can go, what? 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 Why is the devil so tore up? Why is the devil feeling like he's having to throw the kitchen sink at the body of Christ? Because I know that the devil sees the remnant rising. The devil sees the soldiers putting the armor of God back on. Oh, I'm like David, man. This is what we've been for so long. We've been listening to Saul for so long. Remember when little teenage David was about to fight Goliath and he went before Saul to get his blessing? And Saul said, son, let me tell you something. If you're going to go fight that big boy, you need to take my armor. Well, he tried the armor on. It didn't fit. And that's what we've been doing. We've put, been putting on the armor of religion. We've been putting on the armor of, of government. We've been putting on the armor of, you know, mankind. And we've just made ourselves to be the most important thing in this whole deal. But I'm telling you, there's some Davids rising up going, you know what? I don't want this stuff anymore. I don't need this fluff anymore. I'm going to tell you what I need. I need this sling because every time I've ever used this sling, God has got behind this sling. And I, when I stand before that giant, he may come to me with a spear and a sword, but I'm coming to him in the name of the Lord. And this might just be a rock, but when it leaves my hand, because I know who I am in God in this fight, then God grabs that rock and then throws it to it with another level. See, the battle is not just happening in politics and law. The battle is even happening in our pulpits. Preachers are being exposed for their compromise. Compromise. Listen, write this in on the tablets of your heart. Compromise is one of the greatest tools of false gods. Because when you can compromise your conviction, you begin to open the door to the religion of false gods. Don't compromise the gospel. These superstar preachers that have, become, that have catapulted in fame and social media but have compromised the gospel, they are silent on sins. They are silent on abortion. They are silent on the redefining of marriage. They're, they're, they're silent on the castration of children. They're silent on, on drag queens doing drag shows in libraries in front, of, in front of children, on stripper poles. They're being silent. They're still telling their three points in a poem. But God's raising up a, generous, a, a generation of preachers that's going back to the basics to preach the gospel. I'm almost through. The remnant is rising. The, the remnant still believes in casting out devils. We don't embrace devils. We don't, we don't coddle false gods. We crush false gods. The kingdom, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violent, and the violent take it by force. I ain't scared of no devil. We are not scared to call Satan out. We're not scared to call his demons out. We're not scared to cast his demons out. We have been getting prepared for this moment for many years. Some of us have been sitting on the bench. Some of us have been learning. Some of us have been watching. Some of us had to go through hell. Some of us had to go through some of the most horrible things that a human being has ever had to go through. But we're still alive, and we've been building strength. The church has been building influence. But there is a remnant that is left, and that remnant, others are watching us. They may not be with us yet, but they're watching us. They want to see how we're going to respond in this battle of the gods. 
Whose side will you be on? Joshua said, for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I don't know when you'll be watching this, but I'm actually recording this on the day of that our nation, the nation of the United States of America, is going to the, the polls to elect senators, representatives, governors, and so forth. And this morning when I woke up, there was a blood moon. And that blood moon is the only blood moon that's ever appeared in the sky on the same day as an American election. Now, I know the blood moon was not put up there because of the American election. But as I stood there and looked at that blood moon, I heard the Lord reminding me of a word that he had spoke to me just the night before, the morning before. And that was this. Today is decision day. And, it's, and when you look at that blood moon, I want you to know that I made the blood moon appear before the polls open. Why? Because today is decision day. Today is the day something is shifting in the spirit realm. I want you to get on that YouTube, and I want you to get in your pulpit, and I want you to preach it everywhere you go, and I want you to tell them that the day of the blood moon, something shifted. It was a day of decision. Not about whether you was going to uh, circle in or hit on the screen, Democrat or Republican but choose you this day, whom will you serve? Which God will you serve? Will you bow to Moloch? Will you bow to Astroth? Will you bow to Baal? Hmm? Will you bow to one of the mystical uh, witchcraft spirits of Egypt? All of them are fake gods. They're all pretend. They all try to take a little bit of the supernatural and twist it in the way to support themselves. Why? Because they don't want to embrace the only true supernatural, and that's God. There is only one God. You know, I love to always say this. There's two sure things in life. These are There's only two sure things in life, and they're not death and taxes. The two sure things in life is one, there is a God, and two, you're not him. That's of a surety. There is an absolute God, and you are absolutely not God, but you are absolutely loved by God. And as a child of God, you are absolutely been called to be in this fight. You have been given an armor. You have been given a sword. You have been given a shield. You have been given the weapons. But one of the things about the armor of God, if you study it out, it was modeled after a Roman soldier. When Paul was writing about it, he was, he was using the, the, the armor of a Roman soldier to describe the armor of God. And the one thing about a Roman soldier is the only thing that was on the backside of that soldier was leather straps. All the armor was on the front of the armor. Why? Because a Roman soldier was taught, you never turn your back and you never run. You die on the battlefield if you have to, but you don't turn your back and you don't run. So here's the reality. The spiritual warfare that God has called us to is a spirit on the offense. Not offense, like taking offense, being offended at somebody, but on the offense, going after. You've got the ball. You're not on defense. We've been on defense too long. It is time. It is time to rise. It is time for the body of Christ to decide to get in the battle. Come on. You're not alone. You might think you're alone, but you're not alone. Preacher, ain't it time for you to preach the gospel again? Have we not heard enough fishing stories? Have we not heard enough camping stories? Have we not heard enough jokes? Look, ain't nothing wrong with jokes. I'm funny in the pulpit. I like to tell stories. love to tell stories. Nothing wrong with stories. But make sure that the jokes and the, and the stories and the funny parts and the points and the poems and whatever the handouts that you give is equipping people to fight 
in the battle of the gods because you got the little G's that's trying to make themselves look so big and bad up against the big G. He's the OG, baby. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will share his glory with no one. Rise up, remnant. The battle is on. The battle of the gods. We already read the back of the book. We know who wins. But until we get to that place, we're in the fight. See you next time on The Big Picture. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up button, and share where we remind you, soldiers, we are not woke, but we are certainly awake. See you next time on The Big Picture. God bless, and thank you for joining Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We hope it helped you, encouraged you, and empowered you. Please consider leaving us a review on your app of choice and share with family and friends. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake.